0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Epic. So glad you're here with us today. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I have a real quick update for you, and then we'll dive into today's message. This morning in the first service, the guy that we've been praying for for a number of months, Pat Farrell, uh, was here in the service. So, very, very cool. So, if you don't know uh, about Pat, um, he's the guy that we've been praying for for a heart transplant. Uh, So, he got to a spot in his life, the doctor said, You need a heart transplant and you need it soon. And so, he's been in that process. He got a heart pump put in recently. And uh, he's waiting for that right time to transition from that to a heart transplant. So he was here today, and it was exciting to see him. Um, And we just ask that you would continue to pray for him. Pray for he and his wife, Karen, and their family as they're processing through this. Still a lot of decisions to make, um, and they still have a few obstacles in their way. So just be praying for Pat as he is on that journey. So today we're starting a brand new series called 5G Life. And as we begin that, I've got some questions that I want to ask you, some participation questions. So I'm going to be asking for you to participate, answer back out loud. I know it can feel a little bit weird in maybe a room this size or this many people, but feel free to do that. And what I'm looking for, the type of answers that I'm looking for are kind of one word, maybe two word answers, not a real long essay. About something, but just a a short thought uh, that would help answer the question that I have. And the questions that I'm gonna ask are big, okay? These are questions that people have been trying to answer for thousands of years. So this morning, hopefully, we'll get the answers out of you in just a few seconds. So hopefully, you're ready for this. All right, so question number one is How do you define spiritual maturity? How do you define spiritual maturity? So if you know someone who you would say, well, that person is spiritually mature or at least more spiritually mature than you are, what are some descriptive words that you would use to describe that person? So feel free. Wise, Discipline. Wise disciplined. Somebody said something over here. Enlightened. 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 Serving. 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 Loving. Giving. Loving. Con- uh, hold on. I heard something here. Conscious. Conscious? Great. And I heard something back there peaceful. Very cool. Walking daily with God. Great. Okay. I think I heard selfless and I heard relying daily on his word. Is that accurate? Great. What else? Great answers. Anybody else? Obedient. Obedient. Big one. Somebody over here? Listens. Listens. Okay. Great. So thanks for the feedback. Second question. So we've already kind of described a little bit of what spiritual maturity we think looks like. Now, second question is, how do we get there? Most of us know we're not born spiritually mature, right? Uh, we know that we've got to work in a, a process. There are key elements. There are things that we need to do to get from where we are to where that place is of spiritual maturity or becoming more spiritually mature. So again, just a few thoughts, one or two word answers. What are some key elements? I mean, you may say like Bible study, something like that. So what are some key elements for us to grow to be more like Jesus? So... uh, pray and ask for it. So relationship with God, I think I heard over here. Applying the Bible. Applying the Bible. Great. Quiet time. Quiet time, which is time spent with God daily. Serving. Serving. Great. Let go. What was that? Let go. Let go. Community. Great. Community. So living in community. By failing. By failing. You know, someone said that in the first service. There's, there's something profound about that. And, and what was explained in the first service is as we fail and get up and go again, we learn from that and we keep moving forward. I think that's a, a critical element as we learn to grow to be more like Jesus. Any, any other ones? Forgiving. Forgiving. Keep it green. Go to church. Keep it green. Go to church. Love that one. Hold on. Do you want your 20 bucks now or later? <laughs> that was Awesome. That was awesome. In the first row, someone said, Financial Peace University. And I'm like, that was great. What a great plug for that. That's awesome. Small groups, what a great plug. So, so very cool. Thank you for the answer. So um, as we started Epic almost six years ago, at the beginning of that, I spent at least several months trying to answer those questions. So again, from a pastor's perspective, a church perspective, I'm thinking, all right, that's what we're trying to do we're trying to help people discover what it means to be more spiritually mature. And what is the process for that to happen? I think that's incredibly important for us to figure that out. And so I spent several months studying the life of Jesus. He's the model that we have. He's the guy that we're supposed to be learning to be like if you're a Christ follower. God's goal for you is that you will learn to become more like Jesus every day. And so I studied the life of Jesus for several months to see what are those things that Jesus did on a consistent basis? What can we learn from that? And how can we incorporate those principles into our life as a church? That's where we came up with the 5G life. There were at least five things that I saw Jesus doing on a consistent basis. And so that's what we're going to follow through in this series. And um, on your seat should have been a wristband, Little wristband. I encourage you to grab that for a minute. It's our free gift to you. You can slip it on your wrist or put it on your keychain or whatever. I wear one almost every day, and it helps me understand the spiritual growth process that I think God wants us to be in. It helps me to evaluate where I am in that process. And there are moments I look at it and go, hey, I'm not doing so good in that area. I need to do a little bit better in that area. So I encourage you to to keep that with you or close by. And it's something I think that can help us as we're moving forward in our relationship with God. So the five Gs are this. God grow, gather, give, go. So God grow, gather, give, go. First G, God. Everything begins and ends with God. And what we saw Jesus doing in that context was talking to God on a regular basis. So this thing called prayer. So we've got to talk to God and listen to God on a daily basis. Second part is grow. Grow by applying what we're reading in the Bible. And I think somebody talked about that this morning. So there's one, one level of an interaction with God is reading the Bible. A whole other level is applying what we're reading. That's what God wants for us, not to just read it, but to read it and then apply it to our lives. The third G is Gather. So gather with a small group of Christ followers to learn to live in biblical community. So we saw Jesus do that with his disciples. So he gathered 12 disciples around him and he invested three and a half years of his life in them and he taught them how to live in biblical community. And then he left and said, I want you to go and do that around the world. The fourth G, give. Give of your time, talents, and resources to advance God's kingdom in the world. Our God is a giving God. None of us can outgive God. So we are made in his image. And he says, listen, if you're going to become more like me, I want you to learn how to give out of the stuff that I have given you. And the fifth G is go, go everywhere, telling everyone about Jesus. So before Jesus left planet earth, he gave that as his kind of his final words to his disciples. Listen, guys, I want you to go I want you to go into the entire world and teach people how to obey my commands. Make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, in the Holy Spirit. So there's where the five G's come from. And again, something I think if we would stay focused on these five G's in our life, I think we would always be on track with where God wants us to go. Now we're going to start today by looking at that first G. So God, everything starts and, and ends with God. And one of the things that we saw Jesus doing on a consistent basis was praying. He would regularly go off by himself to talk with God the Father. Now, listen to a few verses that help demonstrate that for us. Luke 6.12 says that before Jesus selected his 12 disciples, he went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. So before a major decision that he had to make, he spent all night talking to God the Father about which disciples he he should select. So again, before this major decision, he spent a lot of time Praying. After a busy day of ministering to people, Matthew 14, 23 says, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Mark 1:35 says, Before daybreak, the next morning Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And Luke 5:16 says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So getting alone with God the Father was just something that Jesus did on a regular basis. And as I was watching that in Jesus' life, one of the questions that came to my mind was why would he need to do that? I mean, here we have God in the flesh, we have the second member of the Holy Trinity. You would think if anybody's not gonna get distracted from the mission, it's Jesus. You would think if anybody knows what needs to happen and how to do it on a consistent basis, it's Jesus. You would think if anybody doesn't need to check in uh, with their, their superior to find out, am I doing what I need to be doing? It's Jesus. But Jesus did that on a consistent basis. Why do you do that? I think he did it for two reasons. Number one, I think Jesus did that because that's just what Jesus did all the time. He always has existed in this Trinity relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That was a part of his regular being. He wasn't used to anything other than that, talking to God the Father and the Holy Spirit all the time. So he just did what he always did. The second reason I think he did that was for us, to model for us what we need to know. And I don't know about you, but when I don't check in with, with God on a regular basis, I get distracted. I get distracted by life. And there's this the hymnal out there. One of my, uh, my favorite hymnals um, has this line and it. it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's me, that's me. I mean, I can, I can hear a, a message from God. I can read something in scripture and go, yes, that's what I need to do. And an hour later, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I forgot, like, I don't know. So talking to God on a regular basis is something that we desperately need. So I think that's part of why Jesus modeled that for us. So Jesus' disciples regularly watched him do that. And I think that's what prompted them to ask him, hey, Jesus, like, what do you do when you pray? Like, we see you going off and talking to the father, you know, by yourself. Like, what are you doing? Like, we need to learn how to do this. Would you please teach us? And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. If you're new to prayer, you're new to faith, you're just exploring Christianity, today Jesus is going to teach us again how to pray. And this, will, I think, be great information for you to know early in your journey. Or if you are a Christ follower, if you've been walking with God for a long time, I think this can be a great reminder to you of things that hopefully you should know and be practicing in your own life. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Jesus says this, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, let me tell you what I think Jesus is saying here and what I think he's not saying. So, what I think he's saying is, don't pray to get attention. Like, like, don't go around praying so that people will look at you and go, wow, what a super spiritual person. Like, if that's our motive in prayer, then that, the reward that we get is someone else saying, wow, you're a super spiritual person. That's it. God the Father's not going to reward us anymore uh, out of that. So, I don't think Jesus is saying, don't pray publicly. Like, we pray in a church context. Jesus did that. Jesus prayed in a small group context. I think it's very appropriate. I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, at dinner, like, don't pray over your meal. Like, go, you know, in the closet and pray privately. I don't think Jesus is saying that. So what was going on in the context of Jesus' day, there were these religious leaders who loved to get attention, And so they would stand in strategic places, raise their hands to God and pray and pray and pray with these great big words. And and their motive was, look at me, listen to me, think that I'm super spiritual because I am. And they were praying to get attention. So Jesus acknowledged that's wrong. Don't pray like that. So when you wanna have a, a deep connection with God the Father, go quietly. Pray between you and him. Again, doesn't mean don't pray in a small group, doesn't mean don't pray at church, but don't pray to get attention. Verse 7 says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So I know a number of us grew up in a church culture or church cultures where praying repetition prayers was just the thing that that we did. So you might have learned a prayer and you pray that prayer every time you think about talking to God. Well, Jesus comes along and says, that's not how I want you to pray. I don't want you to pray the exact same words every time. So think about it in a relational context. Think about, in maybe in your marriage or a significant relationship that you have, maybe boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, or something like that. Think every time you talk to them, they said the exact same same words all the time. How fun of a conversation would that be? Extremely boring. How often would you want to engage that? I'm going to talk to him again. They're going to say the exact same words every time. And God goes, I don't want to interact with you that way. I want to have an, an ongoing conversation where we talk to each other and we listen to each other. So don't just repeat your words again and again, thinking I'm going to listen. I want you to talk to me. I want you to talk to me deeply, a regular conversation that goes back and forth. And then in verse nine, uh, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And he models for us what we call now the Lord's Prayer. And I'm sure whether you have a church background or not, most of us have come across the Lord's Prayer at some point in our journey. So what I'd like us to do is read the Lord's Prayer in its entirety, and then we're going to look at it part by part. So take a look at this video. Now, that may have been a translation that, that maybe you aren't all that familiar with. Um, maybe you grew up kind of looking at it in a different context, different translation. But we're going to look at it in the New Living Translation today. Uh, so Jesus starts, and he says, when you pray, pray like this. And he starts by saying, our Father in heaven. So we should begin our prayers uh, like that. Now, I don't think that we can fully grasp how radical of a teaching this was for, for Jesus in that day. So as Jesus' followers were listening to him, when, when Jesus said, pray to our father in heaven, they would have said like, you are kidding me. Nobody prays to God that way. Nobody calls him father. That's too presumptuous. Nobody would do that. That's too personal. That's almost disrespectful. Like we can't do that. It's just not possible. So Jesus' followers and many people prior to that, the Jewish people, God's specially chosen people, the Israelites, they interact with a God based upon, like, I got to do what's right. I got to follow the rules. And, and, and when I follow the rules, that's how I interact with God. And calling him father is just something I can't do. And Jesus comes along and says, you can call him father. He's a father in heaven and he loves you. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Again, that would have blown uh, the disciples' minds. That would have short-circuited their brains and everything they knew about how to interact with God. And so I think today Jesus is still saying that, saying it's possible for you to interact with God as a father. And so a personal question for you is, can you? Can you call God father? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have, you can interact with him as a relationship that you would with a loving heavenly father. And you might say, you know, what? I, I, don't, I don't even know what that really means because maybe your, your earthly dad wasn't all that great. But God comes along and says, like, I want to teach you what it really means to interact with the father the way that you should. And if, if you have entered a personal relationship with Jesus, God wants to interact with you as a loving heavenly father. If you haven't done that yet, you can It's possible. God wants you to. He wants you to be adopted into his family. Listen to what Romans uh, 8.15 says. It says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And again, radical teaching that we could call God Father and be that personal with him. So if you would like to enter a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. I'm gonna show you how to do that later in the service. We'll get back to that. But, but I did that when I was five years old. When I was five years old, I asked my mom, I said, what, it, what does it mean to be saved? She got out the Bible and she explained that God loved me so much, he sent Jesus to die so I can live. And that a relationship with God is based upon belief in Jesus Christ. And at five, I thought that was a fantastic deal. And I gave my heart to Jesus and I was adopted into God's family. That can happen for you. It can happen today. Again, we'll get back to that in a little bit in the service. So in verse nine, Jesus continued by saying, may your name be kept holy. Now, I'm not sure that we can fully comprehend today what what this means. For I think most of us in our culture, how we hear God's name is more like a curse word than anything else. Uh, So as we go through work or we go, you know, home environments or school environments, we hear God's name misused all the time. And so I think it can be difficult for us to understand what this part means. But I think there's this tension here that Jesus puts in in the first sentence of of this model prayer that he's giving to us. Uh, For his early followers... Uh, they didn't interact with God as father. I mean, that was, again, too personal. So he says, like, you can interact with God as a follower, as a father. And then when he comes to us today, I think he says, listen, like, remember who you're talking to remember, this is the creator of the universe. And I think sometimes we can get uh, almost too comfortable with God in our relationship with him. I think some of us, I know I've done this in my own life. I think some of us can say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to plop down in my big daddy's lap and yo, yo, God, what's up? You know, peace out. It's just, I don't know if you pray like that, but (laughs) maybe you do. But I think sometimes we interact with God almost too comfortably as if we say, you know, it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I do. God's a loving, forgiving God. He's gonna forgive me anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'm just gonna do whatever I wanna do. God's got my back. I don't think we should do that. I think when we come to God, we need to come to him understanding who he is. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who sent Jesus to die so we can live. And I think as we come to God, we need to remember that. So I don't know where you are in your journey with God or your relationship with him, but maybe today you need to come to him understanding that he's a loving father and he wants that personal relationship with you. Maybe for you, you've, you've grown so comfortable with that. You, you don't really care how you're living. You just feel like, yeah, God's got my back. He's gonna forgive me. Maybe you need to come to him and, and give him the respect and honor that is due him. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship with him, but I think either one of those things can be applicable to us. Now, verse 10, Jesus said, may your kingdom come soon. Now that's a reference to God's kingdom coming to planet earth and us living in the kingdom the way that God originally designed us to live. And the Bible teaches that one day Jesus is going to come back and his kingdom is coming with him and we will live in God's kingdom the way God wants us to live. But until that day, the Bible teaches we should live as if God's kingdom is already here. So if you're a follower of Jesus, God's words for you, God's words for me are to be God's ambassadors to our world around us. So we should live before the people around us as if we represent Christ at work, at home, at school, wherever we go, our behavior should represent Christ to the world. We should love people the way that they should be loved. We should respect people the way that they should be respected. We should live like Jesus in front of them. So a question for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, how are you doing at that? how are you doing at work representing Jesus to your coworkers? How are you doing at school representing Jesus to your peers? How are you doing at home representing Jesus to your family members? God wants us to represent him well and live in his kingdom as if it's already here. Now, Jesus continues in verse 10, by saying, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if this prayer hasn't been challenging enough, uh, put your seatbelt on because here we go. So Jesus says, listen, you need to pray as you pray, pray for God's will to be done, not your will. And I don't know how your prayers go, but most of my prayers go like this. God, I want you to do this for me and I want you to do it now. Uh, So I've got a great suggestion for God most times on how he should answer my prayers. And there are times I'm like, God, apparently you're struggling up there and need some help. Um, So let me tell you how you should help me in this situation. And uh, God usually says, I got it, Trent. Like, I've been doing this a long time. Um, I think I can figure this out for you. Now, Jesus modeled this for us so beautifully. So on the night that he was betrayed and going to be taken away to be crucified, Jesus had a, a conversation with his father, very humbling conversation, where he said... God, if there's another way, if there's any other way besides the weight of the sin of the world being placed on my shoulders, besides me going through this crucifixion, this horrible death, besides you turning your back on me in that moment when I have all that sin on me, if there's any other way, like, could we do it? But not my will be done. Your will be done. It's not about me and what I want. It's about you and what you want. So, God, your will be done. So, if you ever wrestle with what God's will is for your life, know that Jesus did as well. And what did he do in that moment? He tied himself back to God's truth and said, God, your will is more important for me than anything else. So, as you pray, do you pray, God, your will be done in my situation? Your will be done in my family, in my marriage? in my work situation, in my finances, in my health? Do you pray that? Do you say, God, I know you know what's best for me. So this is what I want. But God, if you want something different, your will be done. Your will is way more important than my will. Verse 11. Jesus says, give us today the food that we need. Now, in this verse, Jesus acknowledges, hey, you've got needs. You've got daily needs. And I want you to talk to to God about those needs. Now, there's an interesting tension between uh, what Jesus said in verse 8 and verse 11. So in verse 8, he says, uh, hey, don't pray repetitious prayers because God the Father already knows exactly what you need. Verse 11, he says, talk to God about your daily needs. So why would we need to do that? If God already knows what what, what we need, why would we need to talk to him about our needs? And I, I think that's for two reasons. Number one, I think it's for us to have a close conversation relationship with God the Father that's always growing. You see, my needs force me to talk to God. They should, for all of us. Our needs should force us to talk to God. Um, Recently, I was in a spot where I'm like, God, I can't do this. Like, I can't figure this out. I've been trying, I've been giving you advice. You're not working the way I want you to. Like, I don't know what else to do. And that need forced me towards God in a conversation. God, I'm totally dependent upon you. If you don't show up and do something supernatural, I'm not sure what's gonna happen. So I think that's one of the reasons why we need to talk to God about our daily needs. The other reason, I think, is because it helps us determine the difference between a want and a need. And I don't know about you, but I get those mixed up all the time. Um, I'm constantly getting that mixed up. I come to God and say, I need this. And then God comes along later and goes, yeah, you don't need that. Like there's something else that you need. And I want to give that to you at a different level. Like I want to give you uh, a need that answers something beyond just the physical. Physical needs are are real and we have them. We should talk to God about those things. But often God's answers come along uh, in a way to help meet a spiritual need that we have that's much deeper than that physical need. So as we're talking to God about that, it helps us determine between wants and needs and it helps us to tie ourselves back to God's will, again, for our lives. So God wants us to talk to him about our needs and allow him to teach us the difference between a want and a need. Now verse 12, uh, it gets very challenging, all right? So we're getting harder and harder as we go through this prayer. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We talked about this several weeks ago when we looked at Galatians 2.20, living the crucified life. And I said, if you're a Christ follower, you don't have the option of not forgiving people who hurt you. You don't have that option. If you're not a Christ follower, you do. If you're not a Christ follower, somebody hurt you at work, you can say, jerk, I'm not going to forgive you. Somebody at home, you say, jerk, I'm just going to hold this against you for the rest of my life. But if you're a Christ follower, you don't have, I don't have that option. Jesus says, forgive those people who hurt you. And look at the context of how Jesus worded that. He said, God, will you forgive me like I have forgiven other people? So it's as if he's saying, like, do your work of forgiveness with the people around you and then go talk to God. How often do we do that backwards? how often do we say, God, will you forgive me, bless me, you know, help me out, and I might forgive a couple of people around me? And God goes, nope, you got it backwards. Do you work of forgiveness and come and receive forgiveness from me? So forgiveness is a big deal. In your life, is there anybody you need to forgive? At home, work, school? Is there anybody around you that you need to extend forgiveness to and receive forgiveness from God for you? I hope that you'll do that. Doesn't mean that what they did was okay. Doesn't mean you should go back into a relationship with them. Doesn't mean any of those things. It just means you need to give forgiveness the way that God has given forgiveness to you. Verse 13. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So Jesus kind of wraps up this prayer in a very interesting way. He acknowledges this great spiritual battle that we are all in, whether we believe it or not. And we have have this great enemy, a real being called Satan. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are on Satan, whether you believe in him or not. And some people say, hey, you know, I have a hard time believing in a, 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 a guy you know, moving around the earth in a Halloween costume, you know, little horns, you know, pitchfork poking people to do bad things. I get it. There's a lot of bad information out there about Satan, and I struggle with under, uh, believing that as well. I don't think that's accurate. But one of the reasons I believe in Satan as a real being is that Jesus believed in him. Jesus created him. He created him as the angel of light. His original, original name was Lucifer. There are three angels that have been named in the Bible, Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. So he was like in the top three, created as the angel of light, given all kinds of power and prestige in this position. And he wasn't happy. He wanted more. He wanted God's position. So he looked at God and his ability to influence all the people, all the beings that he created. And he said, I want that. And he set himself out to fight against God to get it. And God said, I'm sorry, but we're not going to do that. So he convinced a third of the angels of heaven to uh, go into rebellion against God. And they are now called fallen angels or demons. Lucifer got a name change from Lucifer to Satan. He's a real being. And we can look around our world and see his influence. If you look at at disease and poverty and war and abuse and uh, struggles in life and suffering, you look around our world and see all that, that's the influence of Satan. So he's a real being and he wants to, if you're a follower of Jesus, he wants to destroy your life. He does not want you to grow to be more like Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he wants to keep you that way. He doesn't want you to be adopted into God's family and to get to enjoy a relationship with God that will last forever. So he'll do anything and everything to prevent that from happening. So how are you doing at battling the enemy? How are you doing at that? That's an intense thing. It's an intense thing. Maybe you're, you're battling temptation to, to doubt. Maybe you look around at your life and you're like, you know, things have been going so hard lately. Like it just it can't get a break. And so maybe God doesn't care about me. Maybe you've been tempted to distance yourself from God. Maybe you've gotten wrapped up in some secret sin. You think eh, this thing will help me cope with life. And maybe you realize it's gotten more control over you than you over it. And you've been tempted away from your relationship with God. How are you doing? At battling the enemy. Jesus says, talk to God the Father about that on a daily basis for help to battle the temptations and to be rescued from our great enemy. Now, some manuscripts add at the end of the Lord's Prayer this sentence, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Again, this is a model prayer that Jesus gave us. He didn't intend us for us to pray these words every time we pray. Again, God says, like, I want a, a conversation with you. I don't want you praying just that. This prayer is intended to be a guide for us. As we pray, we should approach God as our father and remember the respect that we're, we're supposed to have for him. Uh, we should pray for God's kingdom to, to come here and for us to live in that kingdom every day. We should pray for God's will to be done in our lives, and the world around us. We should talk to God about our daily needs. We should talk to God about forgiveness issues, people that we need to forgive. And then we should ask God for help in battling the enemy. Now, as we come to somewhat of a close today, I have a recommendation uh, for all of us. is to spend time praying through this prayer this week. Again, not just the words, but you can start there but learn how to pray uh, the framework of it. Learn how to incorporate that in your regular prayer life with God, your conversation with God. If you're new to prayer, you're like, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I've put on the back of our Spiritual Growth Challenge a prayer guide that will guide you from Monday to Saturday and things to be praying about and ways for you to be talking to God. You can stop by our Connection Center and pick up one of those before you leave today, or you can download it from our website. It'd be a great tool to help you grow in this issue of prayer. Now, if you're not new to praying, let me ask you a couple of questions. How's your prayer life? Are you talking to God on a daily basis? Have you gotten so busy that you tell God, like, I'll catch you later. Like, I just got so much to do. I got so many things to, to work on, so many problems to solve. Like, I'll catch you later. Or has something maybe bad happened in your life and you feel like, you know, if God's not gonna work your will out in that situation, maybe you're just gonna be mad at him. And you're not gonna talk to him. Or maybe you talk to God way too much and you never listen. Maybe your conversation is always one-sided and maybe God is saying, I I would like to get a word in. Could you just be quiet for a moment? I want to speak to you about something incredibly important. So how's your prayer life? And how can you take it one step in the direction God wants it to go? Now, Let me circle back to uh, something I talked about earlier uh, in the message. For those who may have not entered a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and maybe you want to do that today, I'm going to guide you through a very short prayer for how you can do that. Today can be the day that you enter that life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to what John 3.16 says. Most famous Bible verse, I think, in the entire world. It says, For God loved the world so much that he gave. Out of his love, he gave. And what did he give us? his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So relationship with God centers on belief in Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. It's not about being good enough. I mean, just think, if we could be good enough, Jesus would have come and said, keep trying. You can do it. Hang in there. He wouldn't have needed to die if we can do it. So he died because we can't do it. So a relationship with God starts by belief in Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. So if you would like to start a relationship with Jesus today, I'm going to guide you through what I call the ABC prayer of salvation. It's a simple prayer, and yet it is incredibly profound. This isn't uh, the secret code. This isn't the magic words. You pray these words, then poof, you know, you've got a spot reserved for you in heaven. That's not how it works. You can pray these words and not mean it. Nothing will happen. You can pray words like these and get the concepts and everything can change for you. You can be adopted into God's family. So here are the words, here's the prayer and then I'm gonna guide you through it in a minute. So the prayer goes something like this. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That's a critical component. We have to admit that we are sinners, that we have fallen short, that we can't get there on our own, that we need a savior to do that. If we don't admit that, then there's no need for us to have a savior. So we need to admit, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. The second part is I believe Jesus died so I can live. So that's where we say, listen, I believe Jesus is the savior. He's the one who died so I can have eternal life. And the last part is I commit to following you the rest of my life. I commit my life to following you. I don't think that we can say, hey, uh, like I believe it, but I'm just not gonna live it. That doesn't go together. When we say I believe it, then God says, let me teach you how to live it. And so we say, I'm gonna commit my life to learning how to become more like Jesus. So I think it's that simple to enter a relationship with the creator of the universe. So if you would like to do that, I'm gonna guide you through how to do that right now. I'm just gonna pray through this prayer and I encourage you to pray it quietly in your heart to God. So here we go, let's pray together. God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe Jesus is that Savior and died so I can live. And I commit my life to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So if you've just prayed that prayer for the very first time in your life, let me say a couple of things to you. Number one, welcome to the family of God. You have just been adopted into God's family. So it's worth celebrating. So what I encourage you to do is tell somebody about that. Tell somebody, maybe that you came with, tell somebody, if you came here by yourself, come tell me, tell anybody and say, listen, today's the day I entered a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And let them celebrate with you that incredible news. Next thing I encourage you to do is grab a copy of our Spiritual Growth Challenge or download it from our website. It'll help you grow in that brand new relationship that you have with the creator of the universe, a loving heavenly father. And I encourage you to come back next week. So next week, we're gonna look at the second critical component in us learning how to have a great relationship with the creator of the universe, a growing relationship with him. So come back for that. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to pray, and our worship team is going to close us out today. And as they do that, what I encourage you to do during this final song is talk to God. I want you to pray. Sing and pray, however God guides you in in this final component. So I'd love for you to, to select a part of the Lord's prayer. Maybe one thing that stood out to you in your life, one thing that maybe you need to work on in your relationship with him. Zero in on that one thing, and during this song, pray to God about that. So maybe you need to pray to God, your father. Maybe you need to say, God, like I don't know how to be in this relationship. My earthly father was terrible. God, teach me what it means to be in this this kind of relationship. Maybe you need to talk to God about a need that you have. Maybe you've got a real legitimate need and you need to say, God, like I want to tie myself to your will and your will being done, but here's a need. Please work it out the way that you see best. Maybe you need to talk to God about a forgiveness issue. Maybe you're holding a grudge or bitterness in your heart and God says, it's time to deal with that. It's time to let that go. So talk to him about that during this final song. So let's all pray together and then we'll sing together. God, I'm so grateful that Jesus, you taught us how to pray. Um, we need this. We need to know how to have a regular ongoing conversation with you that's not centered on just us saying words, but it's, it's about an ever-growing uh, relationship where we talk to you and we listen to you. God, you really want to speak to us and you really do speak to us if we'll just listen. And you want to hear from us. You want us to talk to you about the, the needs that we have or the needs that we think that we have and you want to guide us in that on this journey. So thank you for this model prayer, this prayer that guides us in how to talk to you. So I pray for all of us that that right now, as we are are gonna pray and sing in this final song, Lord, that we would zero in on that one thing. And then this week, Lord, I pray that you would guide us in how to incorporate this type of of framework into our regular conversation with you. Grow us through it, I pray. Thanks for loving us, being an incredibly loving Heavenly Father who wants a personal relationship with us. I pray that for those who entered that relationship today, that they would determine to follow you and grow that relationship. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen.
1: Give those volunteers a hand. Those are our amazing pipeline volunteers for our sixth to eighth grade student ministry, which is launching right now during this service. We are so excited about pipeline launching. And if you are a sixth to eighth grader here this morning, they are having a lot more fun over there. So feel free to get up and head over there this morning. And for ninth to 12th grade students, we have Surge relaunching tonight at Palm Coast Community Church from from 4 to 530. They have some awesome things planned. You will not want to miss out on that. And students, who is excited for school starting tomorrow? All right. I hear some great applause from parents. I think more from the students on that. So we are excited for students and parents and teachers and, our, and staff as they're getting ready for school. And please be praying for them, praying for wise choices and friends and that they learn a lot and just to be a great school year for them. So be praying for them as it starts tomorrow. Well, welcome to Epic. My name is Sarah Jones, and I have several announcements for us this morning. If you are a guest with us, we are especially glad you are here with us this morning. If you'd like more information about who we are, please swing by the Connection Center on your way out. We would love to meet you and give you some information about Epic. Now, last week, over 40 of you guys said, we want to help be the answer to somebody's questions. You turned in volunteer cards and said, we want to help. So way to go. Thank you for that. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very, very much. And if you have been thinking about serving but haven't yet signed up, you can still do so. There's cards on your seats, and you can also sign up online at theepicchurch.com. We still need more help going into the fall. And at Epic, we love to give, not only through serving, but also through giving of our resources to see people's lives change and to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what we are all about. And if you want to partner with us in that, there are two ways that you can do so. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or at the giving boxes behind each of the seating sections. Well, next Sunday, we are having another Epic Day at the Park. How many of you guys were at the last Epic Day at the Park? It was a blast. It was so much fun at Wadsworth Park. We're going to have a great time again. So bring your dinner, bring some, a lawn chair, get ready to have fun. We're going to have some crazy games there. So it's Wadsworth Park next Sunday at 6 o'clock. And lastly, our small groups are gearing up to start again this fall. And small groups are the best way at Epic to get connected with other people and to grow in your relationship with God. So if you've been coming to Epic for a while and are not yet connected in a group, or if you're new to Epic and want to get connected, please listen up because there are three opportunities that you can take advantage of starting real soon. First of all, is Starting Point. Starting Point is the 10 week, excuse me, nine week conversational environment where you explore the story of God and begin to experience community. So if you haven't yet jumped into a group, this is the best place to start. We have our Starting Point intro starting on September 13th, and there you will find out more information and be able to sign up. We also have men's, women's, and couples community groups starting up, and we have a five-week community group experience also starting on the 13th. And from there, you can get connected into a community group And then we also have Financial Peace University coming up, and that is a great place to learn how God wants us to handle our finances and the peace that can result from that. And next Sunday, after each service, we have a preview for that. So if you want to find out more information about any of those groups' environments, you can do so through the announcement sheet on your seats or online at theepicchurch.com. And please let us know if you plan to join us for any of those environments by signing up at theepicchurch.com as well. Well, before we continue with the rest of our service, we have a great video from Dave Ramsey for you to check out about Financial Peace University. Enjoy the rest of the service.